following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Good morning, everybody. Um, I would like to say it's, it's a beautiful day out today, and I woke up really happy and joyful but the truth is, I, I didn't, and, and there's a reason why, and I don't know, maybe some of you guys know me, um, but I'm really passionate about a couple things in life, and one thing that I'm very passionate about is college football, and college football kicked off this last week, and the best team in the world, used to be, they, um, they played last night, and this is going to be a long story, but I'll make it short. Anyways. They have like the most national championships ever um, for college football, but <laughs> what had happened was they played the best team in the nation last night, and it wasn't even a close game. And when this happened to me before, I actually didn't end up going to school the next day in high school because they lost. And so for me to get up this morning and come here, it, it took a lot. It, it took a lot of perseverance for me to wake up this morning and actually come to church and yeah, thank you. I, I know life's so hard when, when your favorite team loses. It, it's tough. Um, but what we are talking about is perseverance. Um, and perseverance is steadfastness in doing um, something despite difficulty. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, that we've had to persevere through things in life or we've, we've persevered through something, whether it's big or small. Um, and there's this story. I heard this story a, a couple years ago. Um, about a Florence Chadwick. Great name, Florence Chadwick. Um, she's from San Diego, and she was like born in the, the 30s or, or somewhere along there. Um, and she was one of the first women to ever swim across the English Channel um, from France to England, which is 23 miles. Um, I barely can walk a mile, and she was swimming 23 miles. Um, and she beat the record by over an hour. She did it in 13 hours. She swam this channel. And Um, a couple months later, she actually swam it back from England to France, which is more difficult because of winds and and current and everything else, and it took her a couple more hours, but she achieved that. Um, So a couple years later, as time goes on, she's she's been swimming her whole life, and she's from San Diego, so she decides, I'm going to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast, which is 21 miles. So she's been preparing for this her whole life. And as she's getting ready, she's prepared for the cold water, she's prepared for the sharks, she's prepared for the jellyfish, the tides, everything. She's prepared for all these things. She, she has the boats next to her ready to, to shoot away any sharks, stab them away, whatever it is. And she wakes up that morning, and what she wasn't prepared for was the fog. There was such a thick fog, and you would think, well, that doesn't really affect you swimming because you're not swimming in fog, you're swimming in water, and you know, most of us have our eyes closed anyways. But while you're swimming, you're looking to see, okay, where's my destination, right? And, and she was not prepared for that. And so she, as she jumps in, she's swimming. And, and by the way, she swam 13 hours, or yeah, for 13 hours, 20, 23 miles. This is a 21 mile, and after 16 hours... She did not know where she was. She looked up at the boat and said, take me out. I don't know where I'm at. She gave up. She quit because she did not know where her final destination was. 
So they pulled her out of the boat and come to find out she was a half a mile away from the coast. So I feel like in our life sometimes, what happens is we don't see the end result. We don't see the goal, so it's hard for us to want to persevere. It's hard for us to want to keep going on when we don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's hard for us to, to get in a situation and not know the end result. It's easy to go to work, well, <laughs> sometimes, because we know that we're going to finish at a certain time, right? Or it's easy for us to come to church because hopefully we'll get out by 2 p.m. today and we can go home and eat, <laughs> right? It's easy. There's certain things that are easy because we know where the end result is. So what happens when the unexpected hits us? What happens when something doesn't go right or something doesn't go how we want it to go? There's two options that we have. The first option is we give up. We can give up, which some of us probably have. We can give up like she did, like Florence. Or the option two is persevere. So if you have notes, I'm going to talk about option one. Okay, so this is very important. It's don't do it. Don't give up. That's, that's your note for option one, don't do it. Option two is this. Persevere. Move forward. Keep going. Persevere through whatever it is you're going through. And why should we persevere? Why should we go through that difficult time? I'm glad you guys asked that because the first thing is you are not alone. The number one thing is you are not alone when you're going through a difficult time. There may be times where you feel like you're going through this life alone or you're going through this situation alone and nobody's there to pick you up, nobody's there to encourage you. But you're not alone. Whatever you're going through, I guarantee someone probably has gone through something like that or something very similar to that. And we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and we're going to read that and, and understand why we are never alone. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Picking up on, chapter, on, on verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Meaning we're surrounded by pioneers. We're surrounded by legends of the faith. We're surrounded by people who went through, when we read the Bible, we're surrounded by those types of people that have already endured those hardships. Those great cloud of witnesses. They're biblical examples. And they too endured very similar or many difficult times and they were tested to do the will of God. And they were challenged with their faith just how sometimes we're challenged with our faith. I was challenged this morning to come here, come here today because I had such a difficult time last night. It was very hard. Yet, they held fast to God and his word. And so, one thing I look at is when, when I see this, the cloud of witnesses piled up, people piled up around me, whether it's the past or the present, 
I like to think of stories in the Bible or, or certain people in the Bible to where I'm like, well, at least I didn't have to go through what he went through, right? It makes it feel a little bit better when we're like, well, at least I didn't do what that guy did, or at least I didn't have to go through what he did. And maybe some of us or all of us have heard of this story, but Job, right? He went through a very, very difficult time. And sometimes when I'm going through something difficult, I think, well, at least I'm not Job, right? Because so many things happen in such a fast instant. Okay, he, he lost his, his land, he lost his house, he lost his livestock, he lost his, his kids, right? And then all of a sudden he gets all these sores and he's just living this horrible life, but yet he did not curse God once. And even his wife says, aren't you just going to curse God and die? And he's like, why are you talking so foolish? Do we only accept the difficult things? Do we not accept, or do we only accept the good things and not the difficult things that come on our plate as well? And that's how we have to look at this life. We know that we're not going to go through this life with everything going our way, right? If, if you don't know that, let me tell you that right now, that you're going to live this life and there's going to be something that comes that is going to be difficult. There's going to be something that comes that you're going to disagree with or you're going to have a hard time with. But note that we have two options when that comes. We can give up or we can persevere through those things. The second thing is we have the opportunity to change our surroundings. We have the opportunity to change our surroundings. What does that mean? Well, we're stuck in our house or we're stuck at this job or whatever it is. But if it comes down to it, we as a group or as a Christian, we can change that. We can change where we're at. On 12.1 it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Some versions say to literally push it out of reach. To push it so far away that it's out of reach so you'll never have to go back to that again. Your biggest potential enemy in life besides Satan is your environment. Who you're around with. Who you hang out with. Who you surround yourself by. And you can say you surround yourself by and then you fill in the blank. Your potential to become like that increases significantly. And take a moment to think about the environment you surround yourself around right now. Where are you? Okay, you're at church right now. Okay, where do you go after this? Who do you hang out with after this? At your job, what are the type of people that you hang around? I've noticed that different jobs that I've had, I've hung around some people that complain a lot. And then I too start to complain a lot. Surprising, I know, right? But it's, it's one of those things to where you're in that moment, you're around those people, you're surrounded by those people, so you start to become more and more like them because you're hanging around them, you're stuck in that environment. And if I'm in an environment that I don't want to be in, why don't I just take a step out of that environment and surround myself around the types of people that love Jesus? Because if we're Christians... We are Christ-like. We call ourselves Christians, but if we're not living like it, we need to step out of the environment we're in, and we need to step into an environment of a group of people with a group of people that are going to encourage us, that are going to build us up. We need to go to a place that is going to be focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. That doesn't mean that we step away from outreach. That doesn't mean we step away 
from what needs to be done in letting people know who Jesus is and ministering to them. That's not what that means. What that means is when we're stuck in a place, in an environment that is bringing us down, we need to get out of that environment. We need to persevere towards something different. We need to push it out of the way so we can press on and move forward. The third thing is, well, before we get into the third thing, actually, I have a story about this one. I have a friend that when I was in missions work, he, his, his life story is just crazy. He, um, while he was growing up throughout high school, he got introduced some hard drugs, and so he became a drug addict and, and alcohol, and it was to the point to where it was like his teeth were pretty much falling out. And at, at one moment, um, he had this crazy conversion, and he, he went through this one ministry called Teen Challenge, and right after Teen Challenge, he, he came into uh, Youth with a Mission, and he started doing ministry and missions work, and he started preaching, going all around the world, and, and really uh, had a great ministry going for him. And he got married, had some kids, and after he got done with his missions work, he comes back to the United States, and um, he's just working this normal job, just seeing what God wants him to do next. And at this job, there was a group of people that came from the same background as him. And so as he was hanging out with them, as he was surrounded by them, he started getting exposed to the things in his life that he had in the past. They were doing drugs. And at first, he's like, I'm not going to mess with this at all. But as time passed, he started seeing that he was hanging out with them more and more. He started surrounding himself with them more and more, not just inside of work, but outside of work. And I think some of us might have that certain person in our head to where like, oh yeah, we surround ourselves with them at work, but that's just at work. But then outside of work or school, we hang out with them more and more, and we start to become like them. He fell into the same thing, that he was dealing with in high school. Now thank God that God grabbed a hold of him again and that he changed his life around and he's back doing ministry, but it just takes a moment, an instant, to where you can be captured, you can be put in that environment again and you start living that life. For me, when I look at that, I think it's easy for me because I'm like, well, I would never go do that. But then you step a little bit closer to it and all of a sudden, you're like, well, I wouldn't do it, but I'll just I'll hang out with them. And then it's like, well, I'll just do it once. Right? And then I'll never do it again. And then all of a sudden, you're living this lifestyle that's bringing you down, that's tearing you down. And no longer are you focused on Jesus. I worked in a group home in South Dakota where 90, over 90% of the kids in there came from an Indian reservation. They were Native Americans. And South Dakota... Indian reservations, we have one of the poorest places in the nation in South Dakota, and it's this reservation, and some of our kids were coming from there, and and speaking to them, it was like split. Half of them were like, I never want to go back there, because I know if I go back there, I'm going to be back in the same thing that I was doing. I'm, I'm going to be presented with alcohol, with drugs, with poverty. I want nothing to do with that. But then there were some that they wanted to go back because that's all they knew. They knew nothing more. And so when I looked at it, when I was talking to them, I would, everything in me was like, don't you just understand who Jesus is? Don't, don't you want to learn about who he is? No, I want nothing to do with him. And it was so sad to me. And I feel like people don't, who don't have that taste, people who don't know what it's like to know who Jesus is, it's so easy for them to turn away from him and go the other way. 
But once you get that taste, once you understand who he is, it's one of those things that you never want to turn away from. Yes, people might backslide, just like my friend. He's one of my best friends. He backslid. And it was hard for me to hear that story. And I I thought, I'm like, how could you do this? You did this, this, and this, and all of a sudden you backslid. But then I remember there's an enemy out there that wants to tear us down, that wants to destroy us, that does not want to persevere through this life. And in that environment, when he's in that environment that's doing that, it's so easy for the enemy to come in and tell him lies and show him things that God does not, that, that God does not want him to be around. The third thing is this. Jesus. Why persevere? Because of Jesus. Now, it's, it's, it's easy to say that, and if you don't know Jesus, it might be, well, okay, yeah, Jesus, whatever. But if you know Jesus, if you personally know him, that alone wants me to persevere through everything. That alone wants me, it makes me want to go towards and go through these difficult times because I know the end result. I know where I finish at. So if we read 12.2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus came to this earth for a purpose, and Scott touched on it a little bit. He came to this earth for a purpose. He came to this earth to die for our sins. He came to this earth for me and you. And he actually despised the cross. He did not want to go to the cross. I talked about this a couple months ago, about when he was in the garden the night before he went to the cross, He was so nervous. His prayer was, God, if there's any other way for this to happen, for your will to be done, please let it be done. Because he knew what the cross was. He knew how hard it was. He knew the pain that you had to go through. But he said, but if it's your will, Lord, if if this is your will, let it be done. He knew the end result. He knew that if he went to the cross, how the end result would come to be. And that is for us to be in direct relationship and for us to have the opportunity to spend eternity with Jesus. Jesus knew the end result of what going to the cross meant. He persevered. And and if you were here for that teaching, we got in depth of what it truly meant to go to the cross. All the pain that was endured leading up to the cross, not even the cross alone, but before that, all the pain that Jesus had to go through. And we look at that and we say, well, at least I don't have to go through that. Yeah, thank God we don't have to go through that because he went through that for us. But we are going to go through difficulties. We are going to go through hardships. We are going to go through hard times. And when those hard times come, we must remember those things. We must remember to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. Because if we start focusing on an environment that is not Christ-centered, that environment is going to drag us down and it's going to be very easy to give up and not persevere through this life. And for me, like I said, I know the end result of my life. I I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I know when I die that I'm going to be face-to-face with Jesus. I know that when that time comes, in between, I might be going through mountains, I might be going through valleys, I might be going through hardships, I might be going through joy, pain, suffering, everything in between. But I know at the end of it, 
I get to become face-to-face with Jesus. The man that died on the cross for me, the man that created me, I get to come face-to-face. And for me, that is so exciting because my love for him is so strong. And if we understand his love for us, it's going to, it's going to gravitate towards him. And our love for him and his love for us is a, a beautiful thing. And it's something that when we hit rock bottom, if we think we hit rock bottom, he's never going to let us hit rock bottom because he's always going to be there. Always. Everybody say always. Always going to be there to pick us up no matter the circumstance. When we feel like in this life that we've hit rock bottom, when we feel like there's no more that we can do and we just can't take it anymore, he is always going to be there to pick us up. And because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus did, it makes, I'm not going to say it makes it easy, it makes it easier for me to want to persevere. Now we're just going to get started on today's message real quick, okay? So it's, it's called persevering with a purpose. And no matter where we are at in life, we must come to this point on a daily basis. No matter if you've been a Christian for two minutes, hallelujah if that's the case, okay, or if you've been a Christian for 20 years. These are the things that we must come to every single day in our daily life. Asking, seeking, and knocking. Huh, that sounds like a verse, so we'll read that one. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11 says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock on the door, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We must always be asking, we must always be seeking, and we must always be knocking. If we read that chapter 7, we see we are told to ask and knock, which means to speak to him, to look for him, but ultimately to find him. And asking is this verbal. We, we, we use our mouths as a petition to God, right? And in any relationship, we can take that. And there needs to be a communication. There needs to be a verbal communication in any relationship because if there is not, that relationship is going to fail. That relationship is going to fall. So with a lack of communication, any relationship is going to fall. And so Jesus is telling us, ask, speak, use your mouth, be verbal, communicate with God. Just don't sit there like this, Hmm. No, communicate with God. He listens. I mean, if you want to sit there like that, you can. But communicate. Use your mouth. Verbalize with God. The other thing is seek. It's more than asking. It's setting priorities and focusing on the heart. Right? Our purpose for a relationship. It will, it will crumble without these things. It will crumble without the communication. It will crumble if you're not seeking that individual out. Right? If we're not seeking our spouse out or our boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, if we're not seeking them out and we just get married and all of a sudden we're, we're on our own, we're by ourselves, and we're not trying to seek our wife or our husband, 
that relationship is going to crumble. It's going to begin to fail. Why? Because you're not seeking out your significant other. Just like in your relationship with Jesus, if we're not in communication with him, and if we're not seeking him, it's going to fail. And ultimately, knocking involves a physical movement. One in which we take action. We must take action. We must, yes, we, we, we verbalize. Okay? Yes, we seek. But without action, none of these matter. And if we're not doing these things, if we're not pursuing God, the moment we stop pursuing God, that moment where we decide, I'm not going to pursue God anymore, I'm just going to wait for him. I'm going to wait on him. And I'm not going to pursue this relationship. That's the moment we stop living our life's purpose. Because we were created to be in relationship with him. The purpose for us to be on this earth is to have relationship with God. And the moment we stop pursuing that, that is the moment where we stop, or that is the moment where our purpose here on earth is done. Our purpose here is to be in direct relationship with him. In verse 8, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Can you guys agree with me that God, the God that we serve, he's not a liar? Right? We, the God that we serve, he does not lie. So when he tells us, he holds on to his promises, when he tells us to ask, we are going to receive. I truly believe that because my God does not lie. My God's a faithful God. So when he tells me that I ask and I am going to receive, I truly believe that I am going to receive. When he tells me to seek, I truly believe that I will find because my God is not a liar. My God is faithful. And when he tells me to seek him out and that I will find him, I truly believe that I will find him. And if we're not finding him, I truly believe because it's not, we're, we're not seeking him out. If we're not receiving, I truly believe it's because we're not asking. And ultimately, ultimately, if we knock, the door will be opened. We will truly find God because he wants us to find him. He is everywhere. It's just a matter of asking, seeking, and knocking. Then why do we get discouraged? Why is it so easy to be discouraged when things don't go the way we think they should go? Because I'll be the first one to tell you that I've prayed and I've asked. I say all these things. I've prayed and I ask and I haven't received. there's, There's things that I've prayed for and I haven't received them. Does that mean God's a liar? No. Why? Why does that mean, why does that not mean that God's a liar? Well, he tells us if we ask, we shall receive. And you're just telling me that we need to ask and you'll receive. But yet now you're saying that you've asked and you haven't received. Well, I think it's because God knows more than we do. God knows what we need more than what we truly need. Because if I think I need something right now and I don't get it, That does not mean that God doesn't love me. That does not mean that God doesn't want me to have that. That just means that there might be something even better for me in the end. My son always asks for things. Chocolate's been one lately. He's always asking for chocolate and Coke. Whoever gave him Coke, I need to have a talk with you. He's always asking for these things, and I have to tell him no. Because I know it's probably not the best thing for him to have chocolate at 11 o'clock at night. Whoever brought brownies over last night. It's not good for him to have those things at 11 o'clock at night. So by me telling him no doesn't mean that I don't love him. doesn't mean that he probably can't have that in the future. It's just at that moment, 
it's probably not a good idea for him to have that, for me to give that to him. And so when we ask God for something and we're not receiving it, don't forget about that prayer because God's not forgetting about that prayer. And that's where that perseverance comes in. We need to continuously persevere in that prayer. If there is something that's on our heart and we are seeking God with our whole heart and we believe that this is something that is from him, continuously seek that out, please. Don't give up on that. Don't, don't stop asking him for that because he is a loving God. He is a faithful God and he wants to bless us. Now, keep in mind, it probably should line up with his will, right? So if my son, I, I believe my son's will is not to be a druggie or a drug dealer. Okay, I truly believe that. So if my son come and asks me for money, for drugs, well, why would I give that to him? Right? It makes no sense. But in his mind, maybe, maybe some people think, well, this is my will. I, I need to do this. But that's not God's will for us. And I'm not saying for drug dealers. This is just a wide variety of things. There are things that God does not want to give us in certain moments. And maybe there are things that he doesn't want to give us at all. We just need to surrender to him and say, you know what, God, your ways are higher than my ways. So let your will be done in this situation. If I don't get that, I'm okay because I know you're a faithful God. I know you're a God that holds on to his promises. My mom passed away when I was in eighth grade. And I, I didn't really have a good relationship with God. I went to church. I went to youth group. I did all that. But when she passed away, I felt like my world was over. I felt like, what is the purpose for me to move on. There's, there's, God, you're not a loving God. You took my mom away. God, how, how can I live this life without a mom? Right? When I was in eighth grade, I was going through all these things, and I couldn't understand why she had to be taken away. I couldn't understand why she had to die. It was hard for me to accept those things. It was hard for me because it's like, well, God, is this really your will? And it didn't come until after I started to understand who God was, that if I would have just ran to him in that moment instead of running away, he would have embraced me and I would have felt that peace that I was longing for for many years. And there's a peace that he wants each one of us to have. There's a peace that he wants to give each one of us even if we don't necessarily get or receive that prayer we've been praying. There's a peace about God that when we don't get something that we've asked for, he still wants to give us his peace. He still wants to give us his love. He still wants to give us his faithfulness. Can I get the worship team to come up here? Persevering with a purpose comes in when, when we don't know the answer. When we don't quite understand what's going on in this life, and when things happen and, and God doesn't explain it. I believe that's, that's when perseverance really comes in. Perseverance comes in when we don't understand things, when we're going through difficult times, when we don't know the answer, when we quite don't understand what's going on, and when things happen that God allows happen, and, and it's just not explained to us. And so the purpose to press on even though there may be a heavy fog. Just like, just like that story, right, of Florence. There was a heavy fog that came over her. 
And in our life, there's heavy fogs that come over us. There are things that go on in our life to where we don't understand quite what is going on. It could be just for a day. How many of us have had a bad day? Okay. Or, or a week, or a couple days, or months, or maybe even years. Maybe there's been a fog over you for the last couple years, and you just don't understand what's going on. Understand this. Understand that you are a child of God first and foremost. And understand, once you give your life to him, you can know the end result. Your end result is being in eternity with him. So whatever happens in between now and that, there's going to be a fog. There's going to be difficulties. But persevering for that moment, that moment where you get to embrace your maker, that moment you get to embrace the man that forgave you for every sin in your life. That's true perseverance. And we're not going to understand we are not going to understand those moments when the fog is over us. We're not going to understand quite what's going on. And sometimes we might do things that we think we should do, but then we really shouldn't be doing those things. The thing about Florence, the, the lady that swam, later on she decided, I'm going to try this again. I'm going to pick myself back up, even though I gave up and quit. I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to try this again. So she was preparing again for this. She's been preparing this for, for her whole life. She's been ready to do this. And on the, the morning she decides to do it again, that darn old fog came in. It was just as heavy. But she knew where she needed to go. She knew where her end result was. She knew where her final destination was. And not only was she the first woman to ever swim that, 21 miles, she broke the record by three hours, the male record by three hours. Because she decided, I'm going to persevere through this no matter what. I'm going to persevere through this because I know the end result. And so in our life, we need to understand, we need to persevere through these hardships. We need to persevere through the hard times. Whatever's going on in your life, we must persevere because we are going to come to a point where we get to be with Jesus. That's his promise. His prom He's coming back for us. How amazing is that? The lover of our soul is coming back for us. As we pursue him, he pursues us. As we persevere towards him, he already persevered for us on the cross. He already died for us on the cross. And now he's preparing a place for us as we persevere through life's ups and downs. He's preparing this place for us where there's no more suffering, there's no more hurt, there's no more anger. What a life that will be. And I'm focused on that. I, I truly am. I'm focused on that. I can't wait for that day. But until that day comes, we are called to persevere we are called to continuously strive towards Jesus. We are called to continuously look for Jesus in life's ups and downs. And many of us are probably going through that right now. Many of us are probably going through something in our life that hurts, something in our life that isn't going the way that we want it to go. Let me tell you that God is going to carry you through that. Why? Because we serve a faithful God. We serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that fulfills his promises. We serve a God 
that will heal any sickness or disease, that he'll restore any type of relationship. That's the God we serve. But there's something on our end that we have to do because in any relationship, it comes from both sides. We must persevere towards him. We must ask every single day. We must seek every single day. And we must knock every single day because his promise is this. His promise is that we are going to find him. The end result, we are going to find him. And if we found him, does that mean we stop pursuing him? No, the day you get married, you say, I do, okay, it's over with, peace out. No, you continuously, continuously persevere. You continuously look death in the eye and say, I'm done with you, I'm going towards life, I'm going towards Jesus. So we persevere with a purpose. Our purpose is we are in this direct relationship with God. That's our purpose. Our purpose in life is to be in relationship with God and we persevere towards that. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you so much for today, God. We thank you for bringing us here. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are reminded how the pioneers before us, Lord, persevered through hard times, through hardships, when things didn't go the way that they thought they would go, Lord, they continuously sought after you. And I just pray if anybody in here right now feels like giving up, if anybody in here feels like their end result is right now, Lord, that there is, there is a way, and that way is through you, that we would focus on you, Jesus, and you alone. If we are in an environment that is pulling us away from you, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would break that chain of that environment so that we would become in an environment with you. That we would surround ourselves with people who love you. We would surround ourselves with your truth, with your love and your goodness. Lord, we ask these things in your name. We ask that you would give us the strength to persevere. That you would give us the strength to keep moving on, knowing the end result is you. We love you so much in your name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.